Let's bring in Jeff Kleintop joining us from Charles Schwab. Jeff, always good to have you here, sir, Chief Global Investment Strategist. So a lot to uh, uh, peel apart here in the commodity uh, situation, but for the most part, uh, it is still within this uh, Russian-driven crude oil rally. Uh, Jeff, does this uh, make the case uh, further for commodity-producing nations over uh, services-oriented uh, uh, developed world stocks? At least in the near term, it does. You know, one of the things that's blown me away, Oliver, is Brazil. I don't know if you can just pull up a ticker on the fly. EWZ, yeah. it's not a recommendation, but just the, just the ETF that tracks the Brazilian stock market. Oh my gosh, up nine of the last 10 weeks, nearly 20% so far this year, riding this wave uh, of, of a commodity boom. I, I think what's interesting is, yes, sure, there's geopolitical tensions exacerbating the squeeze. Yeah, just look at that move here, here to date, uh, at the end of that chart, just an incredible rebound. Some of that is geopolitically driven, but some of that is just about the very tight environment we're in for commodities. I think if the market was pressing in a recession, you wouldn't see as much of a run up here in these commodities. So I do think that there's even coming out of whenever a de-escalation occurs, whether it's in you know days, weeks, or months, who knows? But I, I do think there's still an idea here that there's a very tight supply environment for commodities and areas of the market like this may continue to perform. Uh, it's a very interesting move, uh, uh, EWZ, the uh, Brazilian ETF, in a year where so few other trades have been working. Uh, even the broad emerging market category has come under a good bit of pressure uh, where the performance next to the S&P 500 is still a bit uh, favorable. Uh, well, they're about even now. They're about even S&P versus uh, emerging markets on the year. Uh, Jeff, uh, how much of this uh, is going to be kind of short term and reactionary to some of these commodity prices? And then how much might be just the beginning of a new regime. It seems like we're kind of in a similar situation to the beginning of COVID where there's something very new happening and uh, it looks like there's possibility that could be long lasting. There's also possibility, maybe it reverses, but it seems like every day the odds of that are, are pretty low here. Like uh, you don't really just undo sanctions and oil bans, you know, overnight. Uh, I mean, do you? No, you're right about that. However, there's a lot of disruption premium in there. I mean, I, I still think that there's there's something to this commodity uh, environment that we're in that will be longer lasting. But I do want to acknowledge that there is a supply cutoff increasingly being priced in. I know you know the U.S. is, is announced it's or is going to be announcing today it's going to ban Russian imports and Russian imports were maybe eight percent of the U.S. energy import mix uh, back in uh, uh, last year. But but I think the market is looking at more of a cutoff potentially Nord Stream one into Europe potentially uh, Russia simply cutting off all energy flows and so there is some risk in in the event that they don't or that there's some de-escalation that the the incredible risk premium that's in those prices, cutoff premium, comes back a little bit. Still, prices are likely to be higher than they've been in a very long time, but there is a good bit of volatility of the commodities themselves. And that's why I think thinking about it through equities uh, and the fact that the companies tend to look out, uh, the stocks tend to be priced on more of a longer term outlook than just the immediate day-to-day -day move in the commodity prices may be a smarter way to, to take a look at this rather than going directly into the commodities themselves. Natural gas maybe has been a little bit overlooked uh, so far with our focus on WTI and, and gas uh, uh, for driving for uh, autos and airlines that have been impacted by the crude move. But uh, as you point out, as we come out of uh, this kind of seasonal uh, period here, is there any 
uh, you know, benefit to the timing of this? I mean, is there like a light at the end of the tunnel for the next couple months if things uh, do you change weather-wise? Does that uh, affect maybe the price action here for Natty Gas? I know for Europe, that's become a big, big story. Yeah, you're right, Oliver. And I don't usually spend that much time thinking about, you know, what the temperatures are in uh, in, in northeastern Europe. But I have been lately because it, it depends a lot on what the demand for natural gas looks like. And this chart here just shows you how we're in seasonal decline. This is the demand for natural gas in Europe and how it sharply declines from January, February to April and May each year it really gets cut in half. So while prices have doubled or tripled, demand is falling. Now, there still needs to be injections into storage over the summer. It's not like no one's consuming natural gas, but, but the real demand does fall very sharply. And that means that the impact on consumers and some businesses well, it would be very different if this were happening, let's say in November and December, heading into the peak months of demand for natural gas, rather than now as we're in a rapid decline. So the point of this is that maybe the risks to a recession in Europe are mitigated a little bit here by the fact that there's less consumption going on, even hmm. though there is that shock to prices. Okay, all right. Uh, so maybe uh, short term, there could be a little bit of uh, relief. Let's uh, root for some warm weather. I got no problem with that. Uh, maybe here too wouldn't hurt. Uh, Jeff, uh, thinking about uh, generally the situation we're in and how much historical precedence there is. Uh, it seems like uh, crude oil's move is something like the category of the yield curve indicator where you don't have a large sample size of WTI, you know, uh, moving 50% in a week or whatever, a month, uh, but it generally historically does not align well with uh, the economic outcome that happens thereafter. What about general European armed conflict. I know you've been studying this. Uh, we've got a limited sample size, um, not a very pleasant one. What does it tell us? Yeah, so looking back at past geopolitical events, and this is this is uh, going back to the last 30 years or so, looking at, you know, uh, uh, the, the early 90s with the, the Gulf War, 2001, uh, uh, you know, uh, 2003, 2014, okay. uh, 2008, except when, so here's a, here's a chart looking at Europe stock market. I'm focused on Europe here because a lot of these conflicts did involve major oil producers and did have some effect here on Europe. What we see here is that most of the time stocks retreated, but then rebounded and ended up uh, producing some gains. The time they didn't was when we were heading into a recession because of a complication, a, a confluence of issues, of course, in 2008 with the great financial crisis. So I think a key question for markets is not just around the conflict, but the ramifications of that. Are we headed into a recession? And there are certainly heightened risks, right? You just talked about the, the spike in energy prices contributing to that. There are tighter financial conditions in Europe that are exacerbating the problems right now. But there are some mitigating factors. We just talked about how maybe energy consumption is coming down right now. Uh, one of the other things going on today in the backdrop that's lifting European stocks is more spending, more fiscal stimulus and, and the European Commission issuing bonds in order to fund that. That's given European stocks a lift today. Monetary stimulus is in place. The European Central Bank isn't likely to raise rates anytime this year, unlike the Fed. And there's a lot of pent up consumer demand still in Europe with uh, many consumers still not being able to spend with all the COVID restrictions in place. So we're not in the same position with a spent out consumer, an over leveraged consumer uh, going into this downturn. And those are some mitigating factors that may lower the risk. I, it's certainly the risk of a recession in Europe is above average, but it's probably not yet above 50%.
Okay. Uh, really like the way you put that there. Uh, always uh, a nice way to think about it. Where are we relative to the coin flip? And uh, seemingly right now, uh, <laughs> not ideal, but hey, it could be worse, uh, right, uh, at this point. Uh, thanks, Jeff. like that context. Appreciate it, sir. Mr. Kleintop uh, joining thanks us for the international look.